What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Thursday, October 20th, 2016, and you guys are listening to episode number 277. I hope everybody is uh, doing well. As uh, most of you know, uh, I tried putting this um, uh, hour of podcast TVE number 277 out yesterday. And I recorded what I think was an amazing podcast because I had amazing stories to tell. I told a couple of really cool comedy stories, classic stories about, um, you know, recent things that happened to me in my career and um, at a legendary comedy club. And it was great. And, you know, it was one of those uh, shows where before you know it, it was like 50 something minutes in and I needed to wrap it up. Um, And of course, I find out that while I'm talking, uh, at 53 seconds, I believe the audio completely cut out. And when I was looking at the uh, computer and I was looking at the graph and the sound, it was going as if my voice was being picked up and recorded, um, you know, through the monitor, through the through the speaker, and and you know, and, and into the, you know, have the podcast be there. And apparently, it wasn't. So somewhere in the world, in some other uh, dimension. In some other realm, there are those stories. But do not worry because I will uh, put this one out today. You know, I tried getting it out early. That's what happens. I tried, you know, you know when you're like, you're raring to go, you're ready to go and do something, and boom, it just comes and kicks you in the dick. Well, that's what happened. So, um, but I'm, I uh, I got the stories and uh, we're going to have another good show. But you know what? I'm going to make this one a better one than what I did yesterday. Unfortunately, I'm sitting next to an air conditioning unit um, in my hotel uh, in the New England area, because I'm doing a show in Providence tonight, and, um, you know, so, uh, I hope the sound is okay, but this is what uh, is coming out this week, so I'm sorry about that if there's any, uh, issues, it should be okay, though, um, got a ton of stuff to talk about, I want to tell this awesome story, uh, about Monday when I was in, um, New York City performing, uh, wanted to, uh, talk about, Something that really got me heated and fired up yesterday. That's probably a big reason why I decided to do it early yesterday. Because uh, I got into it with a bunch of people on Facebook. As I do sometimes, maybe once every four months, I can't help myself. And I put something out there that bothers me. And I don't realize that I almost have a max of friends of 5,000 friends on Facebook. And not everybody's going to agree. And there's going to be the one or two friends that come out there, put something on there that get me going. Then I go back and forth. Then my fans on my on my Facebook who agree with me go at the people that don't. And it turns into kind of um, what could be, you know, a shit show. So I will get into that as well. Um, talk about sports. Awesome thing happened in sports. And uh, just a great uh, TVE 277. So sit back wherever you are, in your cubicle, uh, in your car, smoking a stick by the fire, hanging out, having sex, whatever it is that you're doing. Well, I hope you're not listening to me ramble while you're having sex. That would be weird for both parties in that scenario. However, wherever you are, sit back, relax, and enjoy TVE 277. Uh, but first, before I get into the podcast, I, as always, have to shout out the sponsors. The Verzi Effect podcast is sponsored by City Living Dog and CityLivingDog.com. Uh, City Living Dog Services is a service that uh, Coach Mike, who is the dog trainer, one of the best dog trainers there is out there, he's actually in the New England area, and he is somebody that I highly, highly, highly recommend if you are getting a new pup if you're having trouble with your dog, if you think about um, a dog that you want to get and you don't know what breed um, or what would be good for your family, that's exactly what Coach Mike does. He can make the dog and mold the dog into um, basically your family dog. He's been with vicious dogs. He's helped dogs that are too shy. He's helped any situation um, that you may have with a dog. Uh, he can help. He's amazing. You could check out all of his uh, social media Uh, All of his social media, uh, whether it be his amazing YouTube channel, which shows him with dogs. He does a Facebook and Facebook Live where he's walking the dogs and you could see what he does and and having these big dogs around his kids and how he's amazing with them. Um, So all of it, Facebook, Instagram, everything, all his social media. Please check out City Living Dog 
and the services of Coach Mike, one of the best dog trainers there is out there. Please tell him that the Verzi Effect and TVE sent you. And, um, you know, he will be uh, he will be kind. He's a good man, and he's a, an amazing, amazing dog trainer. So uh, please check that out. This guy should have a show, and I'm sure he will in the future. Um, also, go to drinkmoregood.com. If you like your soda or your seltzer flavored, but you don't want it to, you know, make you gain weight or get fat, drinkmoregood.com, and drinkmoregood drinks are amazing. What it is is they are... Um, handcrafted organic syrups that were ginger ale and, and citrus and they have all different kinds of flavors they have a jalapeno flavor they have amazing amazing flavors um, and you go as you want as far as the strength of your drink it's a great substitute for soda you put in the syrup in your uh, seltzer and you go from there if you want a lot you can make it strong if you want just a hint of it you could do that as well um, it's nothing artificial Everything is organic. There is no preservatives. There's nothing bad. It is all, you know, healthy stuff, uh, and it is a amazing substitute and alternative for sodas that really are unhealthy. Um, they, you know, then th- the syrups that they provide for you at Drink More Good, you can use them for cocktails. Uh, the syrups are, are used for cocktails. They're also used for cooking and marinates when you bake and all that stuff. Um, and they have a they have a store they have a storefront in Beacon, New York, uh, which you can check out. And um, they also are partnered up with Generosity.org. They've helped, uh, you know, they've helped with water wells in um, fill water wells in in Uganda and in uh, Ghana and all these different places. They they do a great job with it, and it is a really healthy alternative for to have delicious beverages that taste amazing. So please check out Drink. More good and drinkmoregood.com. And if you want to get a uh, discount on that for listening to my show, put in promo code GOODMAKER for 20% off, and you will get an amazing package and you will uh, enjoy the drinks and all that stuff. So please check it out, drinkmoregood.com. And of course, go to All Things Comedy. Uh, All Things Comedy. AllThingsComedy.com for your favorite podcast. If you're a podcast listener, uh, so many amazing ones. And uh, I'm very happy and humbled to have my show on All Things Comedy, of course. Uh, my album was with All Things Records because they do uh, comedy albums as well. They're really for the artist. So please support All Things Comedy. If you support All Things Comedy, then you're supporting the artists and the artists that you love. Um, go to AllThingsComedy.com and follow them on Twitter at AllThingsComedy. Okay, everybody, here we go. Uh, a lot of stuff happened uh, last weekend. I was out in uh, Saratoga at the Comedy Works. I want to thank everybody who came out, my podcast listeners who came out. It's a great, great workout room. Perfect, perfect dimensions, perfectly uh, conducive for stand-up. Um, they're a newer club. People are still finding out about them, but please check out um, the Comedy Works in Saratoga. And they also have great comedians coming uh, soon, every week actually, so check it out. Um, I was there. I had a great time working the new hour. Um, also want to shout out uh, Carrie Cottett and her sister Crystal, who uh, came out to support. I'm working on some stuff with uh, Crystal, Carrie's sister. And um, uh, Carrie is a stand-up comedian. She is, uh, she's on uh, MTV's Joking Off. She's been on True TV's Comedy Knockout. Really funny, star-quality uh, comic who, uh, you know, I think you guys will be seeing, but she came out and, uh, she did some guest spots and did a great job. Um, also shout out to the, uh, host, uh, Dan Garen, who was a super, super nice dude. Um, you know, just did a great job opening the show and, um, actually made me feel better about my bad back because I got fucking bad news about my neck and some disc issue that I'm going through. Um, but anyway, we had a really good time and, um, it was a lot of fun. So, uh, that was Saratoga. Now, um, I'm gonna, oh, and also, and this is going to tie into my unacceptable and then I'll go into your guys unacceptable and then I'll go into the, uh, to the story that I wanted to tell you guys about. Um, but first I'm going to start off before I go into, um, my unacceptable, uh, so I'm going to talk, I wanted to talk about what got me a little fired up yesterday, why I just jumped right on the podcast. It's a shame. It's a shame the audio's not there, but you know what? This is going to be better, okay? This is definitely going to be better. Um, I basically, wait, first I need to find my water, and then I'm going to go into this. Hold on. Okay, so, 
Um, I got fired up yesterday because I put something out there on Facebook, and it's got like, I don't know, I didn't realize it was going to have like almost 80 fucking comments and all kinds of bickering and back and forth and, and this and that. Um, so basically what happened was I put something out there just talking about this election, how it's an absolute travesty, and um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll read it to you guys. How about that? I'll read you guys. I'm going to read you guys what I wrote yesterday. I didn't even do this on the first one, so I'm just going to read this to you guys, and um, here we go. All right, here we go. I'm going to fucking let you guys know what I said, and then you guys can tell me, and, and then we'll, I'm not going to read people's comments about it, but I'm just going to read read what I wrote, and then I'm going to talk about, talk about it, okay? Um, here we go. This is what I wrote yesterday, 23 hours ago on Facebook. I wrote, people ask, how come I won't vote? Well, here are a few reasons. Number one, I can't vote for Trump. He has no experience. He's a hot-headed narcissist and has no humility. And I've told you guys that off the bat. A man without humility, a man who doesn't apologize, a man who uses excuses when he loses, um, that's not somebody that's a leader, okay? Then I wrote, number two, Hillary is a filthy liar. It is truly beyond me how people don't see through this. They are blinded by Trump hatred, which I truly believe. I have heard numerous times how she has treated staffers and people serving her terribly. Um... Uh, almost criminally bad. Uh, I'm sorry, almost comically bad. Not to mention the emails and the other shit she hides. Not to mention she laughed at getting a rapist off. Um, you can even argue American lives were lost. Uh, American lives were lost uh, because of her decisions. Um, she is another narcissist. I find it amazing that people are so focused on how bad Trump is. And they just look away from this woman's actions. It's actually scary how people cannot see flaws or ignore them when it comes to who they vote for or who they hate. I really don't talk politics unless it's with people close to me. But this idea that not voting is bad is fucking ridiculous. It's my right. Fuck both of these people. They don't deserve any votes. Uh, these are our choices. No thanks. If I was starving at a restaurant and and... If I was starving and all a restaurant had was horse, dick, and snake, I'll go hungry. It is a sin that the first female to be president in America is this one. The idea of less of two evils is stupid. I'm not voting for evil, period. Okay, now, uh, that's all I said. I'm not voting because I can't. I don't feel good if I go in there and vote. It's not something that... It's not something that would make me feel right. And this idea that, well, you should anyway. So basically what you're fucking telling me to do, okay, is um, basically what you're telling me to do is go wake up on that Tuesday, election day, okay? Wake up on that election day. Go to some fucking middle school or wherever it is you got to go. Wait in line with these people. Which is fine. If I fucking felt passionate about something, I have no problem. If I fucking felt like the country would get better because of somebody, then I'll wait online for fucking 10 hours. I don't care. You know, I'll go at different hours. I don't care. I'll make it my business to do it. But what you're telling me when you're saying, oh, our, you know, our fathers and grandfathers fought for you to have the right in this and that, fine. But our grandfathers and fathers fought for me to have the fucking right when I wanted to do it. You know, oh, so many countries are dying to have a vote. I think, fine. Well, you know what? We're not other countries. We do have the option, and we always have. And you know what? From when I was 18 years old, I voted. But if I don't fucking believe in somebody, I'm not going to go and do something I feel uncomfortable with because you, fu you fucking want a candidate to win. Fuck you. I don't give a fuck. I don't feel good about it. You're going to make me do something? How un-American is that? You're going to make me go into a booth and go do something that I don't feel good about because it's my fucking right to? It's also my right to not do it. You know, I, I don't understand that. That logic is fucking ridiculous. It's bullshit, okay? I cannot vote for either of these people. I cannot vote for either of these people. And this less of two evils, I'm not voting for evil. I said it before. That doesn't make any fucking sense. That doesn't make any sense. All right, you got a rapist and a pedophile. Well, you know, let's go with the pedophile because the victims don't know better. Uh, you know, the rape and the rapists are screaming no. So let's go with the pedophile. No. You know what you do with the rapist and the pedophile? You take them outside. You shoot them both in the fucking head. That's what you do. And you get rid of it. That's what you do. Fucking tell me that shit. 
Oh, I'm fired up, folks. I didn't even say that line yesterday. This one's better. You're lucky. This one's better. But seriously, you know, Donald Trump cannot take losing. Donald Trump does not have any humility, and I told you guys why I cannot vote for that. I can't vote for a man like that. I wanted to. I wanted to like Trump. Months ago and months ago when I didn't realize, but the guy exposed himself for being a hothead. And the fact that he takes the bait, you know, he should have known that Hillary was going to say things and he takes the bait. He's going wrong. That's not true. Wrong. And he's, he's just like, you know, he's not giving, he's just fucking like a child. And Hillary, I can't vote for because I think she's filthy. I think she's a filthy liar. So I'm not going to vote. So don't fucking tell me that I, I should when I don't feel comfortable about it. It's bullshit. You know? And, um... So that's what was going, and people were just, of course, of course, because stupid Paul says I'm not going to do it, and then I can't resist one time. I can't fucking resist one time. Not that I'm stupid, but I, I, I am, I am, you know, a little Trumpish. That's why I tell fucking jokes at night, and this, you know, and I'm not trying to be fucking president. And I'll tell you something right now, man. If I was going to be running for president, I would never take the bait on somebody. I would be a fucking gentleman, state my case, and be stronger. Because what he's doing, even though he's fighting against the media and all that stuff, and I get that. And by the way, the media is fucking disgraceful. I mean, the media is disgraceful. If fucking Donald Trump did half the shit that Hillary and her campaign are doing, forget about it. But they don't even, they don't even look at it. It's just whatever, you know? They're talking about him saying pussy grabbing when he was on a bus with a reporter trying to make the guy laugh. You know, and I don't think it's about sexual assault. I don't think it was about that. I think it was a guy. How many guys, every guy who listened to that knows that they got a friend or they've been around somebody go, oh, that fat ass on that chick, I would love to blah, 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 blah. You know, and you know, fine. I mean, look, I get it. I have a daughter. I don't really talk like that. I don't want to fucking, you know, say things like that because that's just not really, you know, but guys say shit sometimes. And if you also listen to that thing, you know, that that clip, he was trying, the guy was laughing, he knew the guy was laughing, so he was going along, I don't think he's about fucking sexual assault, I don't think it was pro-sexual assault, I really don't, but whatever, the guy, you know, the guy, if you ever knew you were going to run for president, you got to be a little more careful, I guess, but that they, the fact that they make that a big deal is just, it's ridiculous. Now, the reason why I wrote what I wrote about not voting was because I saw a clip of Hillary Clinton, and here's what the clip was, I hope you guys can hear this, if you can't hear it, I'm sorry, but this was a clip I'm going to try to make this as loud as I can. This was a clip that um, that I heard because I've heard stories about how, like, Secret Service would, like, say stuff and she'd be like, get the fuck away from me and shit like this. So this is what I heard and this is what kind of made me write the thing. I'll let you guys listen. Down in the break room, this officer came down. He says, man, this is a weird day. And somebody said, what, you know, what's going on? And he said, well, I just walked by the first lady and said hello and she told me to go to hell. Myself and a, and a sergeant there said, no, get used to that. She ain't fond of us. Another officer sitting there who's just as young as this guy, junior guy, he said, that's nothing. About a month ago, I was walking by her on the West Colonnade, and I said, good morning, and she said, F you. The guy that she told to go F himself, three years before, he'd been in the Army. He'd been in Somalia. Now, there was an incident there, and he won a Purple Heart. He, he was uh, sniped, um, went between his body armor. He almost lost his life. Gets a job with the Secret Service, and three years later, the first lady of the commander-in-chief that sent him there tells him to go left himself you just can't explain that away that's not normal behavior so that's that's what i heard and then that's what prompted me to just go yeah i i heard that too many times too like i just got to listen to that hold on so my my thing is this okay somebody was like well paul you're gonna not vote for somebody because they said fuck to a blah 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 no it's not that it's the person that I think she is, okay? If I think somebody's a piece of shit, or I think somebody is really no good, or I think somebody is not worthy of my vote, then I'm not going to vote for them. I'm not saying because she said F you or because she said go to hell. I said it because I heard that numerous times. I heard that she doesn't care about certain people, and the fact that she's doing that to military and secret service who's trying to protect her and her family says something about her, and that's why I'm not fucking voting for her, not to mention the other filthy shit she's done, Okay? So I'm going to go as far as this. How fucking dare anybody? How dare any of you? And if you're listening to my podcast and you're one of the people saying like, no, you need to go vote. This is this. It's worse to not vote. How dare you tell me what to do? Okay. How fucking American is that? How fucking, you know, people, people say that they don't like, you know, being told what to do and they vote on that and stuff. How are you going to tell me? 
that I should go into a booth and make myself feel uncomfortable and do something because it's my American right. It's also my American right to fucking believe in the process and believe in who I'm voting for. And I fucking don't right now. So that's where I stand with that. Okay? Um, so that started the shitstorm of, you know, and again... People that know me and people that like me get mad and don't do this and you should think about it. And I get it. It starts. I would vote for local people. I would vote for the people coming up because that's what the foundation of it is. I just don't know enough shit. I don't. I don't. I only, unfortunately, and I think a lot of people can say this or I'll at least be honest about it. I don't follow like local fuck. You know what I mean? Like I don't watch minor league baseball and I know I probably should because those are the guys coming up, but I don't. You know, and the media doesn't allow us to. The media can, we can only look at what's in front of us. And what's in front of us right now is an absolute fucking shit show. Um, all right, guys, that, that's what, that's what got me a little fired up here. But let me, let me go into this. Um, I'm going to go into this, uh, my unacceptable, but first I'm going to tell a story, my unacceptable, then I will tell an, a, a story about uh, Dangerfields, which happened on Monday, which is just really cool. And then I'll go to your guys' unacceptables. We'll go to sports and everything else. Oh, sit back, everybody. Sit back and relax. I hope you're enjoying this. The audio on this better fucking work because if the audio on this one doesn't work, I mean, it's going to be a 53-second uh, TVE this week. <laughs> I can't be sitting down for hours doing shit that's not working. And then I feel like going to the fucking MacBook place or the, the Apple store and shoving my computer up somebody's fucking ass. All right. So when I was in Saratoga, um, uh, I have a friend in Saratoga, and he has been doing comedy forever. The guy's a legend. Shout out to Vinnie Mark. Vinnie Mark has been doing comedy. I mean, he's a couple generations ahead of me, but, um, you know, we were just, uh, he actually came out to see Bill Burr perform at the Palace when I opened for him in, in Albany. Um, we did a benefit for um, his wife, uh, Jody Wiener, who, and, and Jody, we hope she's doing better. We did a benefit for her um, a while back, and, um, Vinny's just one of these really hilarious guys, great stories, and always a good time, like, Vinny's, like, the type of guy that you just want at your party, or you want there, because he makes everybody feel good, he's absolutely fucking hilarious, he's quick and sarcastic and funny, and I love the guy, so he found out that I was going to be headlining over in Saratoga, and he's like, we got to do lunch, we got to do lunch on Friday or Saturday, I was like, absolutely we do, so, um, we ended up doing lunch on Saturday, and, uh, you know, he's one of these guys that eats bad. He'll be like, yeah, where do you want to go eat? We could go anywhere. You want to go here? You want to go there? But the whole time, he's like, I mean, I like Italian. I do pizza. He Basically, that was him saying we're going to a pizzeria. You know, because he was like, I think I saw a place down the road that has pizza. And I was like, all right, I guess that's where we're going <laughs> to That's where we're gonna eat. And I was like, whatever. Man. I'm just happy I'm talking to him and, and we're having this good time. Um, he's always at the Borgata. Check him out. Vinny Mark, he's a super nice, just funny, just a great man. All right. And uh, God, I got to have him listen to this. I hope he knows I feel that way. Vinny, so we go to this pizzeria, okay, and uh, this is going to go into my unacceptable, but we're sitting there, and we're just talking, and we're having amazing, you know, and I'm not trying to eat pizza, but like, you know, whatever, you know, when you look at the case, I mean, pizza is the ultimate diet killer, it's the gateway drug to fat, I've said that forever, pizza is the gateway drug to fat, you know, my family will get a pie and then they'll just leave the fucking box open with two slices left and it's like my bear trap. I keep walking past it. I'm just waiting for the thing to clamp my fucking head and alarms going off. I just can't say no. You know, and then I'm one of those guys where I'll cut a slice in half thinking, oh, it's just three or four bites. So now I'm trapped in this pizzeria about to tell great stories and talk shop and comedy with the with my friend Vinnie Mark. And, um, you know, so we're getting pizza and... I order a slice, he ordered a couple slices, and I guess if you got like two, if you got two slices, you got a free can of whatever, now I only started with one slice, I didn't care about the free drink at first, you know, I was like, I'll pay for the drink, I don't give a fuck, I just, you know, I don't want to eat so much pizza, then I have this delicious like spinach, garlic, tomato slice, and I'm like, oh, I'm definitely getting another one of these, so then uh, when Vinny's picking a drink, I'm trying to think of what it was, I had the, um, Oh, a light lemonade. I had like a light Minute Maid, like one of those like crystal light type of, but it was a Minute Maid. It was a Minute Maid lemonade, really light, not many calories, not too much sugar, right? So 
I walk, we're sitting there and we start talking. How you been? Good. This is great. We're just talking about everything. Um, he had to go to Binghamton to go perform um, that day. He had a two-hour drive, and I was just going to go back to the hotel after we ate and got ready for my last two shows of the weekend. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. And this is my unacceptable. I go, hold on a second. Let me just go get a, a cup of ice. And I go, excuse me, man. Can I just get a cup with uh, ice for the drink? And he goes, actually, uh, this pizzeria, we don't carry ice. We don't carry ice. So we kind of just looked at each other, me and Vinny, and we smiled. Like, really? And we were just joking the whole time about it. We were just like, yeah, no ice. No ice. We don't do ice here. No ice. And uh, Vinny just had me laughing so hard because like, he would just be, yeah, no cold drinks. No cold drinks here. Warm soda here. Warm soda. And we're just laughing, and we're having this great discussion, and we're talking. And as we're talking, I don't know where somebody would just go, no ice. Yeah, no ice. No ice. And I'm not even mad about this unacceptable but how unacceptable is it? How can you be in a pizzeria? And the pizza was good. I got to give him that. The pizza was good. But how can you be in a pizzeria or any restaurant, any establishment for that matter, where you sit down to eat? There's tables, okay? There's menus, everything. Now, in their defense, maybe they put the drinks in the cooler the night before, whatever, fine. But I don't care, okay? I'm an ice guy. I like ice. My wife... My wife likes a little bit of ice because she likes more quantity of the drink. Me, I'll take less quantity if it's just painfully ice fucking cold. I like the ice. The ice, there's something about ice I like. All right? And no pizzeria I have ever been to ever has had no ice. I think it's unacceptable to not have a little cooler or an ice, ice, uh, ice tray, I guess, or whatever... To be able to just grab a scooper and put ice in a drink for somebody if they want a cold. Absolutely unacceptable. You can't send a guy to go to the supermarket and get like fucking 10 bags of ice a day. It's not going to cost you anything. You know, it's not going to kill you. You got to get ice. Absolutely unacceptable. So we were just, no ice, no ice, no, no cold drinks, no cold drinks. And we're having a great time. Uh, So yeah, I thought that that was unacceptable. I know it's a weird unacceptable and it's one that I'm not mad at. It's almost comical, but you have to have ice. All right. Um, now this, this is going to lead into my story, um, about danger fields and then I will read your guys, um, unacceptables. Wow. We're almost at a half hour already. Oh, I hope you're, hope you're enjoying it. Sit back, relax everybody. So here we go. So Vinny opened for danger field and, um, Vinny was really good friends with a very, very popular and famous comedian, especially back in the eighties and nineties named Bob Nelson, Bob Nelson was Rodney Dangerfield's opener a lot. Bob Nelson um, actually opened for Rodney Dangerfield. Of course, of course the phone's ringing. Okay, like I was saying, I got interrupted by a phone call, and the phone call was basically that bullshit. Congratulations, your business has been accepted. Fuck you. That's another unacceptable. How about that? You get a call and you're like, who the fuck do I know in Albuquerque? And then you're just like, oh, whatever. And I'm like, oh, maybe this, maybe I'm going to go perform in Albuquerque. Let's see what's going on. And then you always know when you say hi, there's a pause. Hello, you've been accepted. You've been pre-approved for a fucking, oh man, that's intrusive, isn't it? And there's not even anybody to yell at because they don't, they know you're going to yell. So they just give, give it to the computer. There's another unacceptable. Um, but here we go. So um, when I was a little boy. About uh, Rodney Dangerfield was a big, you know, big comedian at the time. We laughed. My dad loved him. The movie Back to School came out. If you haven't seen it, it's a classic. But uh, that was like 86. And, um, you know, there were no cell phones or anything like that. So it was all pay phones and shit like that. And, you know, Ticketmaster was the only way to get tickets. And he was performing at Radio City. And my dad and brother, we were at Nathan's on Central Avenue in Yonkers. I hope my brother's listening to this because he'll probably remember this vividly. I do. And uh, he's older than me. So we were um, in the parking lot at the famous Nathan's on Central Avenue in Yonkers, which we used to play video games in the back, and, you know, no card and nothing like that. It was just you had to go with quarters, you know. It was old school. Mike Tyson punch out all the great games, you know, where the monsters and the the wolf would jump on the fucking, um, they were, like, terrorizing the, the, the city and shit, all those old school games. So my dad is like, you know, let's call Ticketmaster from this payphone at Nathan's, and let's get some tickets to see Rodney Dangerfield at Radio City. And even though Eddie Murphy's a hero of mine and going to see Raw with my dad, you know, my dad has been a part of me loving stand-up because he would take me to these things. So, anyway, long story short, we go to Dangerfield's, and, I mean, we go to uh, Radio City. Bob Nelson opens, 
and I watched Rodney, you know, do his thing, come out like a rock star, kill. But by the end of it, I was so young, I was sleeping. And um, so Vinny Mark, who I'm talking to in this pizzeria, is friends with Bob Nelson. And one time, I guess Bob couldn't do it one time, and, and Vinny did it. And, and they all end up in Caesar's Palace, uh, and Rodney's going to perform in Vegas at Caesar's. And he burns his eye in the steam room. He burns his eyes and he's wearing glasses and he can't go on. And there was big lawsuits and everything like that. But Rodney had these great stories and uh, Vinny had these great stories about Rodney. And we're just sitting there and we're laughing and we're talking. All kinds of cool stuff. Now, uh, Dangerfields is on 61st and 1st in New York City. And it's been there since 1969. All right? And um, Rodney and his partner Tony who still runs it now and is you know still there now, opened it. And the reason why Rodney opened uh, Dangerfields in New York City is because he was doing stand-up and he just didn't want to be away from his kids. He didn't want to not see his kids grow up. So he's like, fuck it. I have money now. I'm just going to open a club in New York City and that'll be my stage time and, and whatever. And they've done amazing HBO specials there. Um, Rodney put on so many comedians. I could name some people for you. You wouldn't even believe that Rodney Dangerfield put them on. You know, Bob Saget, Roseanne Barr, Sandra Bernhardt, Andrew Dice Clay, Dom Herrera, Jeff Foxworthy, okay, Sam Kinison, John Fox, uh, rest, rest his soul. All of these people, rest all the souls who, who passed, but yeah, all of these people, you know, he put up. Jerry Seinfeld. So what they would do is they would pack the club, HBO would be there with their cameras, and he would host and he would bring up these comedians. Uh... Robert Schimmel, all these guys. So, um, coming up in comedy, when I was, you know, really young, I uh, when I dropped out of college, I lived in Queens. I lived in Manhattan for a year, and when I lived in Manhattan, I lived on 63rd and 2nd, which is two blocks, uh, two blocks over, and one avenue up from Dangerfields. And uh, this is such a great story. I'm excited to tell it because it, it kind of all came full circle. It's actually really weird, and I'm glad to share it with the Verzi Effect listeners right now. So it was a club you always wanted to get into, and um, I lived with my brother, and I'll never forget one night, it was snowing, um, Stacy, who was my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, who was my girlfriend at the time, she had some kind of bachelorette party going on, and I'm sitting in the apartment in Manhattan, in the middle of the world, I could do anything I want, I could go outside and fucking just, there's delis and there's places to eat and there's, um, you know, all kinds of bars. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to go to Dangerfield and see what's going on. I was only a few years into comedy, you know, not a pro yet, not not good enough yet to, to – well, I was probably right when I started to turn into a pro. But it was like, you know, I wasn't passed in any clubs in New York City. I was just like, let's go see what's going on out there. So I go to Dangerfields, uh, you know – and it's snowing, and it's kind of empty in there, and I get my ticket, and I'm sitting alone, and who do I see come on the stage but Bill Burr, who was actually probably around my age now at the time, you know, this is like, you're talking, we're in 16 now, this was probably, yeah, this is probably like 13 years ago, so I'm sitting there, and a light crowd, snowing outside, and I'm just like, what's going on, I live so close, let's see what's going on in this comedy scene, and who I'm going to see, and Bill Burr, who I did not know, and um, oddly enough, ironically, he just looked at me on st- when he was on stage Bill. And he goes, oh, look at this guy just hanging out alone, man. That's cool, man. That's cool. And, like, I was like, oh, that's really nice. Like, I'm sitting here alone. He could have fucked with me. And he's just like, no, this guy wants to see comedy alone. And I do that. When I see people, I'm always like, oh, that's such a cool thing. And, I, and, and who would have thought that it would end up being my mentor, my best friend, my son's godfather all these years later. So... To get into Dangerfields, so years after that, I tried to get into Dangerfields. I would do shows there. I would try to audition. One time I came close. She was like, yeah, you were funny. Like his booker was like, yeah, you were funny, but, you know, you need to do this or you need to do that. And like he wouldn't even be in the room. I remember one time talking to Bill going, yeah, man, I'm going to audition for, uh, you know, Tony tonight. And he'd be like, oh, wow, it's, it's great to actually get him in the room because he always sits in his office, which is downstairs. And his office still has all of the old cutouts from the paper of all these older comedians. And, you know, back then there was no online anything. So it was just you had to look in a newspaper or see a clipping and use a phone to call for, you know, reservations. It was old school. And that's what his office looks like. And the place, Dangerfields, has not changed since 1969. So when you go in there, it looks how it did in 1969. They even have this like grand piano on the stage that's never left. It's amazing. And uh, so... 
you know, back in the day, you know, my audition, he didn't get to see me. And she was like, no, you know, he's listening downstairs. He'll let me know if he likes somebody, whatever. Either way, I never got in there. And then it got to the point where so many other clubs opened up and I got into other clubs and I just kind of never made my way back to Dangerfields after that. I was just like, whatever, you know. Um, and that's fine. You know, I work uh, so many other clubs in the city and I was just kind of like, whatever. Um, so now fast forward to this past Monday night, you know, I'm just, somebody hit me up and said, Hey, I'd love to have you on the show. It's going to be a great show. And I'm like, absolutely. So I run into Dangerfields on Monday night and I walk in and there's just a slew of comedians in there. Just all these comedians and the place is rocking. And I look in the showroom and the showroom is really packed for a Monday, especially for a Monday. And I just kind of got this, wow, man, this is Dangerfields packed. And like, you know, it was just such a cool feeling. And I'm like, this is awesome. And like right when I walked in, the guy's like, all right, man, I'll put you up next. And I'm like, great. And I'm looking around. Now, there's a waiter there that's been there since 1970. He's like a legend. His name is Shario. And Shario's been there forever. And I've seen him there every time you go in, and it's kind of dark lit. It's really cool. you got to check it out. If you're ever in New York City, just to walk in and look at it. You know, see a show there real quick and just or poke your head in and look at it, whatever. Even if it's like off hours. You know, even if it's 4 o'clock and there's no show. Just walk in and say, you know, I heard a comedian say that this place is so amazing. I just wanted to poke my head in and just see. Um, so... I'm about to go on, I'm looking around, I say hello to some comedians I recognize, I look at the room, and now like I'm a pro, so like I'm not in, I would never, I'm not in an audition phase for the room anymore, so now I kind of just have this, oh, I'm just going to go and have fun now, like, you know, and I'm looking around, and all of a sudden I look to the left, and who do I see sitting there watching the show but Tony, Rodney Dangerfield's partner from 1969, uh, you know, is just sitting in the audience. He's watching the show. The place is packed, so I'm sure he's excited. It's a Monday. Um, and what I found out and what I also knew was that the reason why Bill Burr was there all the time is because Tony said Bill Burr was his favorite comedian. So now the host says, Paul, what do you want me to say when I bring you up? Now, my most recent thing to plug is that I just did uh, True TV's Comedy Knockout. So normally a comedian will say their latest, their latest credit. You know, I'm going to be on Comedy Knockout in, in the winter. So I was like, oh, you could say you could see him on the next season of Comedy Knockout. But I'm thinking, wait a minute. I don't want him to leave the room. Now, listen, I'm not trying to get past at Dangerfields now. I'm past at all the clubs in the city, and I don't really work Dangerfields. However, I just want to get in front of this man who has seen every fucking comedian. You name it, he's seen it. And Ronnie Dangerfield is his best friend and partner, and I'm so excited that I'm going to perform in front of this man. I'm like a little kid. I'm actually feeling it right now as I'm telling you guys this. So I didn't care about like doing good in front of him for him to pass me. I just wanted to do good in front of him because it's him, because uh, that means more, and comedians listening to this understand that. So I say, knowing he's watching the show and knowing that I don't want him to leave the room, you know, what's, I don't want him to just get up and go to the bathroom and miss my set. And I know he loves Bill Burr now. So I put two and two together and I go, okay, listen, you could say the, the comedy uh, knockout on True TV coming up next season, but also say, you know, open for Bill Burr at Madison Square Garden, which was last November, right? So I strategically did that because I wanted him to stay. So I see him sitting there and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I take my jacket off and he announces me. Sure enough, he says, you see him on comedy knockout. He uh, opened for Bill Burr recently at Madison Square Garden. And now Tony's watching and Tony's locked in. And I know he's not leaving because that's his favorite comedian. And I think he's heard of me before too, you know. So I go on stage and uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You know, I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not going to, I'm actually going to tell you exactly what happened. So I go on stage and I start doing really well. And then I start fucking killing. And I'm killing this room on a Monday night. They're clapping for me. I'm, I'm just, I hit a rhythm and it was just, I was having so much fun and I'm just doing really well in the room. And Tony watches comedians differently. Um, one thing I don't think you guys know is that when you're an audience member and you're not in the business, you look at it very differently. You laugh and you smile and you drink and you want everything to be funny and you enjoy it. Bookers, owners, and comedians look at comedy the way like Bill Parcells or Pat Riley or one of these great coaches would look at game film when they're trying to. They just look at it differently. They may enjoy it. They may love it. You know, you may look at them with a stone-cold face, and then you get off and they're like, oh my God, that was so funny, I loved it. 
I remember I was at the stand one time, killing the room. And everybody is laughing. I'm having a great set. And there's one face just looking at me, looking at me. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? And it was that comedian from L.A. who's actually uh, in New York now. Nice guy, Ahmed Ahmed. And he's like, dude, you're really funny, man. I heard about you. I just wanted to watch. It was just a comedian watching. It's just, it's different. So Tony is now in Dangerfields watching. And I, you know, you see guys just kind of staring. And I remember doing a joke. And it was doing really, really well. And I looked over. And he just had a big smile. And he's laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. This is, I waited so long and now it's funny they say you get things when you don't want them anymore they say you get things when you should have got them three years ago in this business they say all kinds of things like yeah things happen you know you know when you get the girl after you stop caring the girl like likes you because you stop caring well that's kind of you know what happens in comedy so I do this set and I get off to a clap break I did a joke and I just waited and I was like you know if I nail this right, it could really deliver it the right way, and I do, and they start clapping, and I said, good night, my name is Paul, and like it was an awesome, awesome set, and he was smiling, laughing, and right when I shook the, the host's hand to get off stage, I'm like a little kid about this, I know, I see him get up and walk towards where I need, to, like the exit, where I'm going to walk through, and he's just standing there, and as I walk, he just shakes my hand, and he goes, man, that was great, blah, 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 he's like, you know, I need your number. And like, inst- like basically it was almost like an instant passing of the club. And when we were talking and me and another comedian, Jeffrey Gurian, who used to write for Rodney Dangerfield, was there. And we're all three talking. And he's like, wow. And he looks at Jeffrey and he goes, wow, man, he's, this kid's great. And I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. I just performed in front of fucking Tony at Dangerfield's, Rodney's partner from 1969. And like he made it his business. And I'm like, you don't understand. That means more coming from you than anything, and he's like, oh, that one joke I loved, and this and that, and he was like, um, you know, he's like, I love Bill Burr, and he tells me this great story, how Bill Burr was his favorite, and he would tell Bill, Bill, stay up on stage as long as you want, and he goes, and I meant it, and he was serious, he goes, I meant it, you just stay up there, and I was like, yeah, you know, Bill is my, my best friend, he's my son's godfather, and everything like that, and he was just like, man, that was great, wow, and, and like, I was like, do you mind if I, and I actually was, I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't even care. I was like, I know this may be weird. Can I take a picture with you? And he's like, yeah. So I took a picture with Tony and it's on my Facebook. Um, and he's like, I'm calling you, I'm calling you. And he takes my name and number and sure enough, his booker calls me and they're like, yeah, we want to talk about some weekend spots for you, you know, to get me on stage. So, um, and something really crazy is when I did live, um, in Westchester with my wife before I was ever at Dangerfields or even audition there. I love Rodney and I love the idea and history of Dangerfield so much that I actually wrote Tony a letter that I never gave him. I just wrote this like I would love to be here, the history of this and Rodney meant this to me and my dad took me here to see him and like all this. Meanwhile, I probably didn't have the chops to even be in the fucking room at the time, but I just wrote this thing and it was probably sitting around somewhere. And then the fact that I got to to do it just totally on my terms, just going in to do a regular spot that somebody booked me on and to have him there and have all of that happen was really like a dream for me. So um, that's one of the, the highlights of my career, I could say. It's not about money all the time. It's not about, you know, it's not about what you're getting paid. And it's not always about, you know, I got to get the new, you know, hour. I got to get the, this and I got to, you know, and you do. Listen, I have a family. I do this professionally. This is what I do. I love doing it. I love the whole part of the game. You know, stand-up comedy is, is, is everything. It's an art form that trying to master is the best. However, um you know, the little things sometimes, and having a guy like Tony, I think it's Balacqua or something, having Tony, I, forget, I don't want to fuck up his last name, but having a guy like that watch you do stand-up when he's seen Sam Kinison and he's seen Rodney night in and night out, and he's seen Seinfeld all the time, and all of these guys that did that room, for him to kind of do what he did to me was just like, man, it was the best, and um, so that's the Dangerfield story on Monday. And uh, hopefully that that'll be another club now that I add to the clubs that I do in the city, um, which is is just awesome because of the history and everything like that. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I know it was long-winded, but I was so excited saying it that I was just like, fuck it. I think this is going to be good radio because it's just a true story. So um, get off my back. All right. Let's go to your guys' unacceptables. Then I got to put this fucking podcast up because the other one only was something seconds. If this happens again, I'm going to be really pissed off. All right, here we go. Let's go. Okay, how many were there? Let's see here. There was It was a quick turnaround because I started it yesterday. I don't know if there's any more today. Let's see here. All right. 
first one somebody sent me with no uh, nothing in it. So let's all right. Let's see. Here we go. This one is from Santi. Unacceptable. Dear the pride of New Jersey, Verzi. First off, this is the first time writing in. Uh, old freckles got me into you. <coughs> OVA uh, uh, a year ago, and I've been a faithful fan since. Your overall perspective and outlook help brighten my days through my struggles. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad that um, that I help you, and I'm glad you like the show. By the way, the fact you're comfortable enough to be honest with um, uh, with your following about your struggles is so dope and has uh, even gotten my aunt a new fan of yours. Well, thank you. Mad respect. Okay, so my unacceptable is this. When people take somebody else's material and post it on other sites for their own personal gain. Take old Bilderberg, uh, who put uh, who puts up a free podcast twice a week, uh, what a saint, for free, only to have a bunch of self-serving assholes post on YouTube for their own personal gain. What you guys do uh, is a form of community service. At least that can be done. Um, the least that could be done is go to your sites and support, period. Once again, thanks for the laughs, and I know uh, how you talk about loyalty and how important it is to you, uh, me as well, and feel you and Billy Boy would fit in my circle. Uh, maybe small, but it's all quality people. Give Burr a nice homie handshake uh, for turning me on uh, and others on to you. Well, I will. Bill has been uh, helped my podcast so much, and I just love that people come and listen and they stay. Uh, also, you should do a show in Denver sometime soon, or at least uh, close by, so that I could so I can come out and show support. Thanks again from a native Chicano fucker. From the Mile High Peace, Santee of 303. Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, you know, people like to take content and put it on there and share it and use it as their own. What can you do? I hear what you're saying. Um, and as far as going to Denver, that's something that my agent and I are going to be talking about. Because like uh, Arizona, which I did and I'm going back to, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, Denver is one of those as well. So thank you uh, so much for the submission, Santee. Here we go. This one is uh, Office Unacceptable, Blair Stewart. Hi, Paul. I usually do my unacceptable on Twitter, but I'll need more than 140 characters for this one. I work in an office very much like um, uh, very much like the show uh, and the guy that sits... Um, oh, the show The Office, gotcha. And the guy that sits behind me always subtly uh, uh, hits on the girl that sits across the aisle from us. Uh, while I couldn't care less about this, we all do, but it became ridiculous when he brought politics into it. I hear him fake sobbing behind me until she felt the need to ask why. He lifted his head and said, I was just imagining what this country would be like for women if Trump actually wins. What? Uh, he had to, uh, he had to have heard me chuckle in the cubicle next to his and she killed it. By saying, I don't care who wins. We are screwed either way. P.S. When are you coming to Williamsport, Pennsylvania? I know that you'd pack the house in the Community Arts Center downtown. Thanks for the podcast, Blair. Well, thank you, Blair. Um, that is fucking ridiculous. And as unacceptable as it gets, a grown man either crying or fake crying saying, I just think about what this country would be like for women if Trump is... I mean, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Where are your balls? What the fuck? Dude, good for that girl shutting it down, going, what? Even she's like, shut up, you bitch. What the fuck? That is definitely unacceptable. And as far as coming out to Pennsylvania, hey, you know, and, and just so you guys know, this happens a lot. And if you want me in... A lot of people are asking when I'm going to be coming to the town. I have... You know, I have Toronto coming up. I'm going to be doing more stuff in New England, hitting this part of the country. But um, if you have a club, definitely say, you know, hit up the club and let them know you want me there because um, that's what happened in Saratoga. Uh, Ryan Moore, uh, shout out again to Ryan Moore, um, you know, who was a, a fan of mine and he listens to the podcast. He actually hit up Saratoga and Saratoga was like, oh, yeah, we've been trying to get him. We want to get him and it makes it work quicker. So if you want me in any of your clubs, definitely tell the clubs and uh, my agent will take care of it and we'll, we'll talk about getting over there. 
Um, thank you, Blair, for the unacceptable. That's a bad one. A grown man crying with his head down to get attention? Ugh. Uh, here we go. Firing back. Jason Travis. Here we go. Uh, hey, Paul, just wanted to write in to respond to me being called out on the last podcast. I would like to say that I don't have a racist bone in my body, and I'm the biggest patriot there can be. I love this country, and my family has a long lineage of serving in the armed forces. Also, people need to educate themselves. Oh, shit, I had to take that. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start that over. I'm sorry about that. Okay, one more time. I'm sorry about that, guys. Uh, all right, here we go. Just want to write into hey Paul. Just want to write into respond to me being called out on the last podcast. I would like to say that I don't have racist bone in my body, and I'm the biggest patriot there can be. I love this country, and my family has a long lineage of serving in the armed forces. Also, people need to educate themselves. The Civil War was over money, and Abe Lincoln said on many occasions, if he could preserve the Union without freeing the slaves, he would. He would. The South was just defending themselves against an unjust invasion from the North. But that's not what I'm writing in to debate. I'm writing in to talk about the unacceptable prick that I saw while at work the other day. I was just going about my business and I see this guy talking to his girlfriend and he is being absolutely awful to her. So I figure, you know what, uh, they're just arguing. Uh, I'm not going to get involved. But then I see him grab her by the arm. So then, So I then step in and tell him, Sir, if you're going to act like that, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. We don't tolerate that behavior here. He then tries to get tough with me, and I basically told him that if I saw him touch that woman again, we will take it outside uh, and see if he wants to put his hands on another man. And of course, he is a pussy who likes hitting women, but the second a guy steps up to him, he almost pisses himself. It's unacceptable that not only does he treat his girl like that, he thinks it's okay to do it in public. Put this guy in a box and throw it off <laughs> off uh, of a cliff. Uh, love the show. Keep it up, Paul. Well, thank you so much. As far as, yeah, I don't want you guys going back and forth with people. Um, I don't want TVE writing, like people that submit and listeners going back and forth with each other. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all good. Like, I'm just, you know, I get that somebody said something about what you said. It's fine. We'll leave it alone. As far as the um, guy touching the woman, I think you did the right thing. It's like you don't put your hands on a fucking woman. And uh, doing it in an establishment and doing that, you did the exact right thing uh, 100%. Thank you for the submission, um, Jason. Okay, here we go. That is actually it for the emails because there was a quicker turnaround this week. So, but I did have some someone uh, some on Twitter that I wanted to write in. So let me do these real quick. What time? How much time do we have left, man? What are we doing here? Oh, 52 minutes. It's flying by, everybody. Here we go. Uh, this one is from Jay Trulio at St. James 303. Uh... At Paul Verzi, the guy complaining about free podcasts that he greatly appreciates having te technical difficulties. Hashtag unacceptable. Hashtag lock me up. Hey, Jay, it's all good, man. I hear you. I, I was pissed too, but I'll, I'll, everybody was like, does this 53 seconds? I know it's a fucking nightmare, but I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. Uh, I will fix it. Let's see here. Let's see what else we have. Oh my God. What the fuck happened? People are going at Podbean. People are going, people are going, <laughs> Jesus, oh my God, my luck, I was so excited too for you guys, I was so excited to just be like, I was so excited, and I was just gonna be like, yeah man, fucking it's out early, enjoy everybody, uh, here we go, uh, William Herrick, at William K. Herrick, H-E-R-R-I-C-K, Dude, you are so right about the Sprint guy. I've been saying that since I first saw the commercial. He's a sellout trader. Hashtag unacceptable. Yeah, it annoys me. And now he's in another one with his fucking black and yellow shirt. Disloyal. <laughs> uh, thank you for the submission. What else do we have here? Quick ones. Do we have any? Here we go. Chris Kelly at Chris KE. 30028776. That's a long one. Ordered 10 cigars from Thompson Cigars and took them four days to ship my order. Won't be here in time for my event. Hashtag unacceptable. So you ordered 10 cigars from Thompson. They took four days to ship the order. 
and it won't be there in time for your event. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's the worst when you're expecting something and it doesn't. That is definitely can be an unacceptable feeling for sure. Um, let's see here. Is that, did I do that one? I think that's it. Okay, that's it for the unacceptables, guys. I got to move on with the show. I have some more stuff to talk about. So please uh, send your send your submissions to unacceptables for tve at gmail. Okay, unacceptables for tve at gmail.com for the emails. If you guys want to tweet me, um, you know, it's going to be a shorter one, but that's fine. I will shout out um, your Twitter feed, and it's at Paul Verzi. That's V I R Z I. All right, we got five, a few minutes left. I mean, hey, it's my show. I'll go long if I want. But here we go. So as far as sports goes, um, we took my uh, we took my son, me, my wife, and my mother-in-law took my son to his first Giants game last year, and it was awesome. Uh, he was so excited. He was like, uh, you know, he's got the jersey, had a helmet. Odell Beckham, although he's a head case, he's my son's favorite player. And for him to win the game like that, you know, two touchdowns, the last one to win the game, he was just going nuts. And watching him walk in and seeing it and seeing the the excitement, every parent needs to do that. When your son goes and see a field, like I remember I was in like first or second grade and all I knew was the Mets because it was 86 and I didn't know there were two teams. I'm like a little kid. And they're winning, and my friends were like excited they're winning. And my stepfather was like, "We got to take him to a. If you're gonna take him to a, a game for his birthday, because my mom wanted to take me to a game, he's like, you got to go to Yankee Stadium." And I'll never forget walking in and seeing that green grass and Don Mattingly. It just did it for me. So the fact that my son got to go in there and just see the field and, and see the Giants win and see his favorite player have those amazing touchdowns, it was so awesome. We tailgated, we had a great time, and uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. And I know it sounds like a fucking woodpecker behind me because I don't know what's going on with this air conditioner, so I'm sorry about that. But anyways, um, awesome, awesome game. The Giants needed to win it. Now they're 3-3. Three and three. Who knows what will happen in the division. But um, just so cool to have those moments of like when you see somebody. I remember when I went to Madison Square Garden, it was unbelievable. It was like shocking. And then how how they lost was shocking too. But <laughs> no, just uh, that's, how, that's what happens at Madison Square Garden. You go in, you're amazed by the venue, and then you're amazed on how they lost. But I'm hoping that um, that won't be the case this year because I want to take my uh, kids to the garden too. But that was the game, and and it, it couldn't have been a better Sunday. So um, as far as movies, guys, I really didn't see any movies, that, just the Netflix stuff. I'm trying to find something on Netflix. If you guys have any suggestions at all whatsoever about um, any kind of Netflix you know, documentaries or cool shit, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I do want to see the girl on the train, though. Like, I, I think, I think that'd be like a good date night with my wife, the girl on the train. Um, but I didn't see anything else. Um, since then, what I'm dealing with now is a neck injury that I found out that I had. My MRI came back, and it looks like I need fucking surgery. And I know that surgery is last resort, so they're gonna try one other thing. But then I may have to get this disc uh, repaired or cut out or whatever, cause the shit is killing me. Uh, I've been dealing with it for way too long, and, um, you know, that's, like, the next thing. Oh, 2016 has been... 2000, think about how bad 2016 has been. 2016, what did you lose? You lost all these celebrities, Prince and David Bowie and these, you know, all this stuff. Um, oh, it's been bad for me because I had a rough year. Um, also, just, you know, I mean... Look at it like this. Hillary and Trump are running for president in 2016. All right, what else? I mean, it looks like what? The, 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 there's a potential for the Cubs and Indians to be in the World Series. If 2016 was a video, how many people would have just hit the fucking reset button? Be like, yeah, no, I got I to gotta start over. I didn't, I didn't get the free life right away at the beginning of the game, so I got to start over. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But um, I have a show tonight, guys. I have to run out to Providence, so um, I will do the plugs now. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, 277. I'm really, really sorry uh, that uh, what happened yesterday, so I will replace it with this. You will have a new one, and um, that's it. Uh, let me do the plugs. Guys, I will be performing in New York City, Toronto, some other dates. Well, you know what? I'll give you guys some dates and some shows that I'm going to be at. 
Uh, I am part of the uh, Way of Life Tour, which is basically the uh, Hangover Pub in Worcester, Massachusetts is taking a chef, a singer, a comedian, which is myself. Uh, they're taking a, a, a renowned uh, tattoo artist, and what we're doing is we're going to four locations to raise money for the Fight Charity, which is a charity which is um, helping to uh, basically fight opiates and people dying from opiates, which is a big epidemic right now. So uh, tonight we're at the Fetty Music Hall in Providence. Uh, Saturday we're at the Tack House in Troy, New York. Okay, I'll be in New York City in between. Also, um, Thursday the 27th, I will be at the Port City Music Hall in Portland, Maine. And uh, Rockefellers in Salem, Massachusetts, the day before Halloween on October 30th. I will also be um, in Toronto at Absolute Comedy November 15th through the 20th. Great shows. Friday night, guys, November 25th, I will be at the Newton Theater at 8 o'clock in Newton, New Jersey. And Tuesday, November 29th, I'll be at Gotham Comedy Club at 8 o'clock. More dates are coming and uh, more cities are coming. I will let you guys know as they get added so uh, you guys can check that out. Thank you so much for listening. This has been TVE277. And until next time, I am out of here. Follow me on Twitter at Paul Verzi, V-I-R-Z-I, and check out the website. Take care.